Everybody good? Well, good morning. It is good to see you. Glad you're here. I know we still have a lot of folks who will be coming in, but I just want to thank you for being here. And we welcome you to First Baptist Church. If you're interested in knowing more about our church, on the, um, you can scan it with your phone from there. I actually had a dream. Um, I always have these preacher dreams. And um, I was in church. I said, all right, everybody take out your phone. Let me show you how to do a QR code. But you can scan it there. Y'all are young enough to know what it is. If you want more information about our church, we would love to give it to you. You can get all that there. And we'll give you what you ask for and not anything else. So please do that. Don't forget that Wednesday night is Wednesday night meals. And um, on the back page, you can find a place to sign up or you can call. We had an unbelievable meal this past week for five dollars okay you can't beat it and so i hope that you'll come and be a part of that you'll see it please sign up we'd appreciate it also our special needs sunday school class is starting the information's inside of your um, worship guide um paulina and um Dan Gilliland and Tina Stallings will be the main teachers, and then we'll have volunteers coming in and out. It'll be during this service. Some of you have already volunteered. You can do it for a couple of weeks. Those three will be permanent, and the rest of them will be in and out. And so if you know of a child, if you have a child or know of a child who needs it, Chris is asking for some information about the child. And so if you have a neighbor, sometimes we have neighbors who, who maybe can't come because of their child's situation. We want to be able to reach them so please get the form, get it to them, and so we can have a little bit better idea who's coming and so that we can um, be better equipped to help them. It's a great ministry we've been praying for for a long time. One other thing um, that, to, to just let you know, I was talking to some of our Gideons, and you know, many of you have received Gideon Bibles over the years, or you go to hotels and you find them, and one of my Gideons told me that, one of our Gideons told me that the price of the Bibles have doubled now um, for them, and so they need a little shot in the arm, and so if you'd like to give to the Gideons, you can give through our offering. Um, you just mark it for the Gideons, and, and they'll make sure that gets to them, and we can help buy Bibles for them. It's an important ministry. Every place I've ever been in the world, except for China, um, I found a Bible inside the hotel in their language. And so the Gideons do that. And so please um, give to them if you can. Are you ready to worship? Ken's here, so we can start. Let's stand up together and greet one another. Greet everybody. We are really glad you're here. And I, I must remind you at any time after the service, I usually stand right over here. Tim Gold is in the foyer. Um, Mark, our student minister, is also there. If you have questions about small group ministries or other things, look for one of us and we would love to, um, to help you. Mark and Tim always have a name tag. Um, I, I just, I don't I always knock it off, so, um, so, but you know who I am. So if you need some information, we'd love to help you. Also in your worship guide, this is a week of prayer. Um, it starts for our North American missions. Annie Armstrong Easter offering will begin pretty, we're already, already giving to it, but we'll be saying more about that in the days to come. But our, we have a brand new call to worship coming out of the book of Revelation. And so I want you to look at it real quick, if you don't mind, and, and just um, 
kind of read over that first page and get ready for it because if you'll notice the first verse says saying with a loud voice and um, so we want to join with the heavens and saying this with a loud voice would you read it out loud with me worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, in the sea, and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. We encourage you today to say amen, to say praise the Lord. We encourage you to express your worship. If you feel comfortable raising your hand, do so. If you want to dance, dance. Just make sure you do it for the glory of God. If you want to come and pray at any time during this worship service, you're, you're more than welcome to come. That's why we have the benches here. And I just remind you that, that every part of this service is prayer and worship. So as we sing, maybe they go into a place where, where the Kim or the guitarist or somebody's playing a little... Um, what would you call it? I call it a solo. Just the instrumental part. Pray during that time. Pray the words back to God. It, I, it just increases my worship as I'm praying and worshiping the Lord. I'm thankful for these guys behind us and for all they do to lead us in worship. And So I want to pray, and then we're going to have our scripture reading from David Klingskills. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you and praise you. We want to join with the angels and join with the elders and join with the four living creatures and shouting your praises today. So help us to worship. Holy Spirit, I pray, as I've prayed many times, that you would just put a hedge around us, take away the cares for the next few hours. Let us just focus on this hour. Help us, God, to turn our eyes toward you and worship you. And as we hear your word read, as we sing, as I preach, God, would you move in our life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe he's not here yet. So, are you not supposed to read today? You didn't, you didn't know you were supposed to read. Okay. Read it with me. I'll read it out loud, okay? This is out of Matthew 6, 1 through 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then who will, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That it? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Let's worship. Let's stand. Let's continue. Lord from our head to our toes today. He's worthy of all of our worship. Let's hold nothing back to him.
worship and sing this next song I know there are many of us praying very specific things right now in our lives and sometimes we feel like maybe God is silent 
or he's not answering that prayer the way maybe you want him to answer it. But I want to ask you today to press into the Lord Jesus, because even when you sense at times that he is silent, it is in those times that he can be the very most active, orchestrating behind the scenes. So he is our way maker, our promise keeper, our light in the darkness. That is who God is. Yeah. 
this um just i love this scripture from romans chapter 8 it tells us in romans 8 verse 14 for all who are led by the spirit of god are sons of god for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba Father. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance. 
should be seated, but that is true of us who are in Christ. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. One particular prayer request, I want our church to agree together and pray together. Steve Waddell, um, Pam Waddell's husband, has um, some serious issues going. He's basically, uh, his small intestine is not working as it should. And if you know, um, there's no surgery for that. Unless God moves, um, it's just, there's not hope that they have. And so we serve a God who's able. And we want to ask God to make that small intestine work for Steve, be with Pam, and then also for baby Camille, um, some infection in her blood. Um, it's not reached as far as we know now at the heart or the valve, but um, they did have to take that pacemaker out. So let's, let's pray for those two. Would you just silently pray for Steve? Just ask for God to do a miracle. I know his doctor. I went to college with him. He's a man of God. But let's ask that God would do something that even the doctors would have to say, that's God. There's no explanation. Be with Pam. Lift up Camille. For Balin and Landon, Kim and Jonathan. And then maybe there's other things that are on your heart. Let's continue to lift Frank Morrison as he continues to battle with cancer. He and Miss Cynthia. For Joe as his heart um, continues to do well, but let's just pray for him. Vicki. There are a lot of needs in this room. You are aware of them. Pray for them. thank you that we can sing a song like that no longer a slave to fear those same verses we know that we can sing we're no longer slaves to sin there's nothing in us who, who have the Holy Spirit that forces us to sin forgive us when we do when we don't walk in the flesh when we, or when we don't walk in the spirit but gratify the desires of the flesh forgive us God you know the great needs that we have. We lift them to you. They're, they're nothing compared to your omnipotence. So we, we trust your power and ask for you to work. We ask for you to heal. We just ask God that you would show out. And you know the hearts of each person in this room and each person is at home. You hear the burdens. You know them. We lift them to you. And pray, Father, that you would move in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. We've got a little longer passage today. We're going to finish chapter 2. I can't wait to get into chapter 3. It's incredible. But um, we're going to look at what it means to hold fast to Christ. So verses 16 through 23, Colossians 2, 16 through 23. If you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading and the preaching of God's word. God says to Paul, therefore, 
Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, worship of angels, or going in down in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. For with, it's better, since with Christ you died, to the elemental principles or spirits of this world, principles of the world, why as if you're still alive in the world do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the Bible, to the body, excuse me, severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Be seated. In chapter 2, verse 8, we saw Paul say, See to it that no one takes you captive. See to it that no one takes you captive by human philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits, principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So he says, don't be captive there. And he speaks of elemental principles there. And he comes back to that in our text. And and what Paul says in chapter 2, when he goes to verse 8, he says, don't do this because, verse 9, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In other words, why are you going after empty, deceitful things when you could be going after the one who is the head of the body? You could be going after the one who who is full of divinity. He is divine. He is God himself. So why follow after man? Why chase after man's rules when you could live under God's grace? That's what he's teaching us. In chapters 9, 2, verses 9 through 15, God shows us that, that Christ is superior to the false teachers. And in doing so, he shows us who we are in him. When we're in Christ, and when Christ is in us, the the fullness of our spiritual experience is to be found in Christ, and in Christ being inside of us. And so we look at this union, and, and in our text, Paul turns back to the false teachers. He, he says, don't let them take you captive in verse 8. He says in verse 16, don't let them judge you. And then in verse 18, don't let them disqualify you. And so what we want to do is look, because what Paul does in this text is he has three key statements. And with each statement, he gives us an aspect of the false teaching. And then he gives us a way to combat it with the truth. So three key statements, followed by three aspects of the false teacher's teaching. And then three truths that enable us to live against their teaching. The key statements are found in verse 16, 18, and 20. First verse, first phrase of each verse. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. Let no one, verse 18, disqualify you. 
And in verse 20, if with Christ or since with Christ you died. Those are the three driving points of this text. And what Paul does, one more time, let me remind you, as he turns around and gives us these statements, he tells us an aspect of what the false teachers are teaching, and then he says, here's how you combat it. Now, this may not seem like it's applicable today, but I think you're going to see it's very applicable to us. Let me just go ahead and say it, especially as Baptists. It's something we've got to listen to and something we need to learn. <laughs> Almost every commentary followed the same outline, okay? So I'm just going to use it. I don't know who came up with it, Keith. I don't know which one was first. Uh, it's chicken or the egg. Who came up with these points first? But there are three points that I want you to see. And there's two warnings. And the first warning is a warning against legalism. A warning against legalism. Look at verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in regard... In, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Legalism is basically this. It's basically man's system of what you can do for God. It's man's system of what you can do for God. And it's a trap. It's a trap that we can easily fall into. If you look at the wording of what he says in verse 16, it seems as if what Paul is dealing with in Colossae are the Judaizers who are coming back in after he's preached grace and adding law. He dealt with this specifically in Galatians, but he, he deals with it through almost every church in the Gentile world that he goes through. He goes through and, 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 and teaches and shows them grace and shows them how to come to Christ. And then they come behind with the Jewish law and say, well, you've got to keep these laws. You've got to keep this system. You've got to keep this, this dietary system that we have and this ceremonial laws that we have in order to be right with God. So look at verse, um, like for example, if you want to write and hear more about this, look in Galatians chapter 4. Yeah. Galatians 4 verses 8 through 21, he goes in detail. But in Galatians 4 verse 9 through 11, he says, but now you have come to know God. But now you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. How can you turn back again to weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more? You've been set free, but now you want to be slaves again, he says. You observe days and months and seasons and years. Listen to what he says to the church in Galatia. I'm afraid I've labored over you in vain. They're turning from grace and turning to works. And it seems as if Epaphras has come back to Paul in prison and says they're back at it again. They're trying to turn the people from grace to works. They were coming in with Jewish law. And it's things you can just write these two things down okay diet and days the legalism centered in diet and days there's nothing wrong with diet okay i'm on one that's why i could eat a horse right now okay and and i'm hungry all the time i'm on it for some health reasons but also because i, I didn't want to have to buy another suit 
I, I, I've got, I told you, I've got four sizes of suits in my closet, and I'm in the heaviest one, and I don't want to get a fifth size suit. And so I'm fine, trying to lose down. Again, in a few months, hopefully, I'm going to be in some new suits. You're going to think, preacher got a raise? No, I'm just wearing suits I hadn't worn in years, okay? That's my goal, okay? Nothing wrong with diets. We ought to take care of ourselves. But this has to do with food and drink, specifically as it applies to the Jewish law. Diet, food and drink, days, festivals, new moons, and Sabbath. This is Old Testament ceremonial law. That's all it is. It's the law that Jesus fulfilled. They were saying that you have to keep that law to be right with Jesus. You've got to keep the diet. You can't eat bacon, can't eat pork, can't eat those things. You've got to keep that diet. It's funny, my nutritionist says, can't eat bacon, can't eat pork. So I guess she's a, 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 a legalist. But, but you look at it and understand, they were saying you can't do it because it's sinful to eat. And you can't take those things. You can't drink certain things. You can't eat certain things. And you got to keep certain festivals and certain ceremonies and days. It's what you can do for God to earn God's favor. You hear that? To earn God's favor. That's legalism. And they're introducing that into grace. Paul has an answer to legalism in verse 17. He says, these are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Look at those two words, shadow and substance. They tell us everything we need to know about what Paul is saying about the law. Jesus is the substance. That word substance is a word soma in the Greek language, which means body. Jesus is the body. Jesus is the substance. He's the thing that is real. And the law is a shadow. He uses it in chapter 1, verse 18. He's the head of the body, the church. In 124, for the sake of his body, that is the church. Jesus is the body. And so think of it this way. Um, even now, there's a shadow coming off of me. You can't see it on the floor, but because of the light, my body's the substance. The shadow is just a shadow. And what Paul is saying is, you're going to the shadow when we've been given the substance. We've been given Jesus, and you're trying to go back to the thing that pointed to Jesus. You're trying to go back to what the, the, the pointers of what Jesus would do on the cross, and we've already got the cross. You're going to the substance, and Jesus, don't go to the shadow. In other words, you can't go back to keeping the law and expect to find life from that which only points to Jesus. That's the law's purpose. It points us to Jesus. Now, the answer to legalism is grace. The answer to legalism is grace. We are saved by grace through faith alone. And this is not of ourselves. It is the free gift of God, not by works that anyone should boast. We are saved by God's grace. We're saved by what Jesus did for us. That's verses 13 through 15. That's what we looked at last week. It's all by his grace, and only in him, as we'll see, can we grow. So he gives us a warning about legalism, and he says the answer is grace. 
But then he gives us a warning about mysticism. Mysticism. He gives us a warning about what is called mysticism. Now, what's mysticism? Mysticism, just in small and simple language, is the pursuit of deeper things. There's nothing wrong with the pursuit of deeper, deeper things. Okay? I want to walk in a deeper walk with God. I want to know the deeper things of the Spirit. I want to know everything I can know about God and my relationship with Him. But here's the problem with mysticism. Mysticism wants to know the deeper things of God apart from the Word of God. You see, there are a lot of people today who claim to be followers of Jesus, but they're dabbling in Zen Buddhism. They're dabbling in these other teachings. They're dabbling in, in these Eastern cults. And so they, they want to learn to pray. And so instead of turning to the scriptures, they turn around and turn to, to Eastern religions and begin to pray like a Buddhist or pray like a, somebody who follows um, a Hindu religion or, or Confucian or some other type of thing. They're, they're dabbling in stuff outside of scripture trying to get deeper with God. And what I want you to know is, is that we have to follow after what God says. And look at God's word. Look at what he says in, in verse 18. Let no one disqualify you. Insisting on asceticism and worship of angels and going on in details about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. Let no one disqualify you. That's an interesting word in the Greek. It, it literally means don't let anyone umpire you. Now you're familiar with umpires. And what he's saying is don't let anybody umpire you. Don't let anybody tell you you're not playing according to the rules when their rules aren't coming from the Word of God. The only umpire we have is the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Let the Word of God. Now, we have teachers and we have pastors and we have all those things. But if you don't let the Word be your umpire, I can add something to the Word and you can follow along and get away from Christianity. I do everything I can not to do that, but, but you got to be like those Bereans who went back to see what Paul said and make sure that what he said was in the scriptures. Outsiders don't get to lay down the rules for Christianity. The word of God lays it down for us. And so we follow after him and we seek after him. He says, he says they don't let anyone umpire you. But secondly, he says they, they insist on asceticism. Now, what is that? Well, literally, that word means humility. Almost everywhere in the scripture that that word is used in the Greek language is translated as humility. But, but in verse 23, he talks about severity to the, Bible, to the body. And so there are those who, who, for example, like Martin Luther, before he came to Christ, was, would beat himself with whips, trying to harshly treat the body not to sin. There are those who... My dad was in the Philippines. We lived in the Philippines for two years as a child, and he was in the Air Force. And he went to this place where, where they would cut themselves with glass and beat themselves with whips. And, and literally, they would crucify someone every single year from their religion. Why were they doing it? Trying to earn favor with God. They were treating the body with severity. Now, they would let him off of the cross, and he would live. I remember my dad came back from that. He went with some other missionaries and other people. He was in the Air Force, covered in their blood, just going everywhere. They were treating the body with severity, with fasting and all these other things. They're trying to, to literally, they're trying to go low in their humility, denying the body because they think the body itself is what's evil. 
And we looked at it last week. This body's not evil. It's the flesh that tries to dominate the body that's evil. And so he says they insist on asceticism, but then they also insist on the worship of angels. We've already looked at this. I mean, what a thought to, to worship a created being over the creator. You remember we said a couple weeks ago, every single time a man falls down in front of an angel to worship, what does the angel say? Don't do that. Get up. Worship God. Worship God. Don't worship me. And so we need to understand that when you encounter people who say you need to worship angels, pray to angels, worship angels, sing to them, worship, sing, pray, or even even you need to pray to the saints. And I'm not trying to intentionally be offensive, but even pray to Jesus' earthly mother. You run from that. Because we pray to Jesus. And we come through Jesus. And I don't have to have the saints come to Jesus on my behalf. Because if we just saw in the scriptures and our call to worship, the saints have their eyes toward Jesus and they're worshiping Jesus with us as we're on the earth worshiping him. Worship Jesus. They insisted on the worship of angels. Then they insist, we see in the scripture, on visions. Now God gives vision. I'm not saying he doesn't give us vision. But they have visions that puff them up rather than humble them. One particular person was talking about this. He said, maybe this denial of self, this going days on days without food, or maybe going as far as they could without sleep and without drinking water and the worship of angels, maybe those actions were producing the visions. So, for example, one person said, think about... We read about the Native Americans who would go into sweat lodges and and they would fast and they would induce themselves into this asceticism so that they would see visions from the spirit world. It's a very similar thing. They're puffed up. Now, I don't want to, again, I'm not intentionally trying to be offensive, but, but you can get on TV preachers and hear a lot about visions. And I just want to tell you, if somebody comes to you and says they had a vision from God and it goes against God's word, run from that. If they had a vision from God and it says that that the angels fell down and came, and I mean, there's a particular pastor in a church somewhere out, I'm not even going to name it, says that they had a worship time and an angel feather came down into the room. Gold dust fell to the floor. Where is that proof? Run from that. Because the angels worship Jesus. They worship the Father. And they help us to worship the Father. They don't want to be worshipped. They're, they're puffed up. Look what he says. They're, they're puffed up without reason by their sensuous minds. This is where it leads. Mysticism will lead like legalism to try to go deeper apart from God's word. And it comes up with a system that basically says, here's what I can do apart from God's word. Therefore, I did it. So look at me. I did it. I'm obedient. I had these visions. Now, follow me. And you get puffed up by that. Paul has an answer to mysticism. His answer to legalism was grace. His answer to mysticism is hold fast to Hold fast to Christ. That's what he says in our text. And he is the head. Hold fast to the head. To the head. We know that. Chapter 1, verse 18. 
He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. I want you to hear me. Christ is not preeminent if you're praying to saints, if you're worshiping angels. We worship Christ. We worship God, the Father. We worship the Trinity. There's no jealousy inside the Trinity. You can pray to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We worship them. That's who we worship. In chapter 2, verse 10, he says, And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Why worship things when you can worship the one who's the head? Why worship creation when you can worship the one created? He's the source of our feeling. He's the source of our growth. He says that in our text. I want you to just look at what he says here in verse 19. And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together. We've already seen that, knit together. Through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. What comes through our mouth feeds our body, doesn't it? Jesus is the head, we're the body, so what comes from the head feeds us. And here's what the point, I think, of legalism and mysticism. We have to go no further than to go to Jesus. We go no deeper. We have no deeper a depth than Jesus. We have no higher a peak than Jesus. Jesus is the focal point of our salvation. Hold fast to him. Now, in verses 20 through 23, we have what, what I would just simply call the answer to it all. The answer to it all. Okay? It's a long text, but let's look at it real quick. Verses 20 through 23, and then I'm going to walk you through and show you some of the weaknesses and then show you the answer. Look at verse 20. Since with Christ you died, if is the correct translation, but the idea is since with Christ you died to the elemental principles of the world, why as if you were still alive to the world do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Look at how Paul describes all of this. He says, legalism, mysticism, they have rules. The rules are don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. It's food and drink. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Aren't you glad that Baptists aren't like that? I grew up in a world of legalism. It was hard to overcome. I grew up in a world that said, you don't drink, you don't chew, you don't go with the girls that do. With a heavy emphasis on don't drink. I grew up in a world that said that you were going to hell. If you drank the very thing Jesus drank. And know how they justify it? They say, oh, Jesus didn't make wine. Jesus made grape juice. There's a word for that in a pasture. It's bull. 
That's all I'm saying. It's bull. The word's wine. And I want you to hear me. It, if you come into Publix and you see me there with a bag full of groceries, you're, unless I'm cooking something that calls for it, if you're a buggy inspector, you're not going to see wine in my basket. I get it over at Richie's, okay? It's a lot of... It's a lot of <laughs> But I want you to hear me. I'm over being offended by anybody who did what Jesus did. Now I want you to hear me, students. The Bible says very clearly that you're to follow authority and you're to follow the law. And if you're under 21, it is illegal for you to drink and it is a sin for you to drink. Okay? I want you to hear me. And for some of you, you come from a history of alcoholism and you know if you drink one beer, you're going to drink 22. Don't drink. Just don't do it. Don't put yourself in that place. But don't say that anyone who can handle it is sinning because they do. That's legalism. My grandmother loved to dance. She was told that it was sinful to dance by the church. My first church was founded in 1884. I went back to the old minutes from 1800s. Sister so-and-so was disciplined this week in business meeting because she danced. Sister so-and-so was disciplined and kicked out of the church because she wore a little too much makeup. Sister so-and-so had a little too much to drink or brother so-and-so had a little too much to drink. And, and again, the Bible does say drinking too much is sin. Being drunk is sin. But we have to be careful with the legalism we have to be careful with making rules that add to the scriptures that aren't inside of the scriptures. I'm not saying go out and start drinking. I'm just saying don't add to it and make something that Jesus did sin. That's legalism. Mysticism is chasing after all these things and, and, and it's food and drink in these days. And Paul says there are five weaknesses to legalism and mysticism. Five weaknesses. And here's the first one. He says in verse 20, it's, it's the elemental spirits. Again, elemental principles. We saw it in verse 8. We saw it when I read in Galatians. The elemental principles of the world. Spirits, elemental. The reason we call elementary school elementary is they have the basic fundamentals of that subject, right? And so hopefully our seniors are learning more than our first graders about math because in elementary school and first grade they're getting the basic principles and then they begin to develop as they grow. And, and, and in the scriptures there are some basic principles, but, but sooner or later, church, we've got to grow beyond that. And what Paul basically says is they are elementary, these things they're teaching, and, and they're worldly. They're of the world. They're just worldly stuff. Why is that so bad? And he goes on to tell us. He says legalism, asceticism, mysticism. Listen, any ism that tries to lead you to a depth of God apart from God and apart from God's word is worldly. In verse 22, he says, referring to things that perish as they are used. They're all perishable. Paul says, are you submitting to fights over stuff that perishes with time? 
It's not permanent. It's not eternal. Focus on the eternal. All the emphasis is on the shadow, again, and not the reality. The teachings are worldly. They are perishable. And then third, he says they're just, they're just human. They're just human. He says according to human precepts and teaching. That's, that's, that's according to human tradition in chapter 2, verse 8. It's, it's man. It's man-centered. It's it's from man, it's by man. In other words, man dreams it up, man accomplishes it, and then man boasts about it, and that's simply not enough. We must have the work of God to be saved. We can't accomplish it, we can't earn it, we can't buy it. It's given to us by grace, and we live by grace. Fourth, it has the appearance of wisdom, but notice it's self-made. It's self-made. All religions apart from Christianity are self-made. They all are based on what man can do for God. Do you know why Islam has such an attraction for people? Apart from those people who have a gun held to them and say convert, okay? Not those people. Why are people turning Islam. It's legalism. If you fast 40 days every month, one, one month a year, if you fast, if you come and pray five times a day, if you do this, 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 and this, then you're good with God. And man can say, I can accomplish that. But Jesus said, be perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I can't accomplish that. So I need the Holy Spirit. I need the spirit to move in my life and to operate in my life. And so it's self-made. It's, it's, it's legalism. It's mysticism. And finally, this is the most important reason we don't follow these things. He says, they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. No value. Maybe a poster boy for Islam at least fanaticism in Islam would be Osama bin Laden. He was, he was a stickler in what was going on with the Taliban and forcing women to dress a certain way and look a certain way. And, and, and that took care of all the purity issues. But when they killed Obama, or when they killed him, Osama bin Laden, when they killed him, guess what they found on his computer? Pornography. That legalism didn't purify his heart. Legalism will purify yours. It's grace. It's the Holy Spirit. It's walking in the things of God. It, the, the world stuff, we all know this. It just, it just doesn't work. And all those years, I kept trying to pull myself up by my bootstraps and try a little harder. And I just kept falling on my face. And I finally realized, it's the Spirit. It's growing in him, little by little. So what does work? How can we be right with God? And how can we grow in him? How can those ligaments get strong? And how can we grow? Answers in verse 20. Since with Christ you die. We died to that old. And we're going to see more about that in the coming verses because he's going to say, since with Christ you were raised. We died. We saw it last week. And, and notice I didn't say anything about the therefore in verse 16. 
But that word points backwards and forwards. Verses 13 through 15 drive into that therefore. When he said, let no one pass judgment, let no one umpire you, it's coming out of what he said about being made alive, about being forgiven, about the record of your debt being counseled, about being, that it's being set aside, that it's been nailed to the cross. It's coming from the fact that he says he disarmed the rulers and he triumphed over the authorities by the cross and that we've been buried with Christ and raised with Christ. Therefore, don't let anybody judge you. You see, you're judged in Jesus. And you know what Colossians 3 says? You're hidden with Christ in God. So when God looks at you, he judges you in Jesus, and guess what he sees? Righteousness. Satan's a liar. And he'll make you feel guilty over everything you've said and done. But God the Father who has saved you and covered you with his grace looks at you and he sees Jesus and his righteousness. You're qualified in Jesus. Why let somebody umpire you? Why let a buggy inspector in Publix or Walmart or wherever you go be your, be your inspector? Jesus says you're qualified in him. The Father has qualified you. He's put you in the family. And there's no condemnation for those who are in him. Amen? That therefore drives, it's driven by verses 13 through 15. But then it drives into our text also. Therefore, since you died with Christ, that means you died to the world's claim on you. You died to the world's judgment on you. You've died to the principles of the world. We'll see next week that since you've been dead with Christ, you've also been raised with Christ. So, so here it is. Let's just put it all down and we'll close it with this. The one who saved you is your Lord. And Jesus brings us into his body. He's the head. So don't look to man and don't look to principles of the world. Look to the scriptures. Please hear me. Don't charge after the newest experience. Just stay in the Word. Just stay in prayer. Keep on worshiping. Keep on praying. Keep on growing in the Lord. And watch your roots grow deep. Watch yourself grow in prayer. And maybe you're not praying like you want to be. I'm not either. But I'm better than I used to be. Maybe you're not reading like you want to read. I'm not either, but I'm understanding more what I used to understand. I'm growing in the Lord. And, and, and maybe, maybe your wife is still fussing because you keep using a certain word. But you don't use it like you used to. And I'm not justifying cussing. I'm just saying I bet you can see some sanctification in your life. I bet you can see some growth in your life. I bet if, you, if you've been doing this for a while, you can begin to see how God is changing your life. And we rejoice with you. Don't let anybody umpire you. You come to Jesus. 
you get inside the church and you grow in the fellowship of the body of Christ. And, and you, as you're being taught the word by people who are gifted to be taught, teaching the word of God and preaching, and as you worship, you just find you begin to grow. And the things you used to like, you just don't like anymore. The things you used to battle with, you don't battle with anymore. Because he changed your taste. You tasted and you saw that God was good. So what's the answer? The answer is in our union with Christ. You're in Christ. Christ is in you. You're not following anybody else's rules. I'm not saying the rules are not bad, are, are a bad thing. We need rules, but they don't save us. I'm not following someone else. I'm not following anyone else. I'm simply seeking to be in Christ. Therefore, anything outside of Christ doesn't get all my attention or my worship. Amen? I'll ask you to bow your heads for a second. I realize when I talk about some of the things I talked about today, it stirs some people up. And maybe we need to be stirred up from time to time. And, and I'm open. But I do know this. If you've been in the church for any length of time, you've probably experienced legalism. And you probably feel some guilt over that. And if you've been on the other side of the church for any length of time, you probably have experienced mysticism and, and you're probably trying to reach out and trying to find something that's just a little deeper and get you a little closer and, 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 and you just feel like it just hasn't worked. Can I just tell you, turn to Jesus. Open up your Bibles and start listening to what he has to say. Worship him and learn to pray. Get yourself centered in fellowship with the body of Christ. And learn to be a disciple who makes a disciple. And I promise you this. You'll grow. You'll grow. What's God calling you to do today? As, as they begin to play in just a minute, and we're going to sing. I just want to open this time up for you to come and and worship and kneel if you need to. Or you can do it right where you're sitting or standing in a moment. You don't have to come up here to do that. But what is God calling you to do? And whatever that is, we invite you to do it. Let's stand together. And as we sing, I'll be at the front. You come if I can help you.
For years, I thought to behold God, I had to have these visions of God. And what I realized is when I behold God, I, I behold them in the scriptures. I'm not saying that God can't reveal himself to you and that God can't show himself to you in, in, in ways of dreams and visions, but I'm saying the primary way that I find in scripture that people behold God is open up the word and read and pray and see. See the God that saves us. And I want to encourage you to stay in his word keep seeking them. I want to introduce you to Brenda Carlisle. Brenda, would you come up here real quick? And, um, I don't have my glasses on, so I always I knew it was Brenda. Um, Brenda's moved to our city. She came. I, I'll just tell you, she started coming in our traditional service and um, starting to share with you. She came in here 
English teacher for years and worked in, um, matter of fact, Krista Bryant, you need to, to meet Brenda if you haven't yet, um, had a very similar um, uh, work history, but, but um, she saw students moving and coming forward and it just, just meant, meant a lot to you then and touched her. But she's coming by promise of letter. She's been saved and baptized by another Southern Baptist church. And so if you welcome her, would you say amen? Amen. Thank you. We got, we're glad you're here. She's already involved in, um, in Kim's Sunday school class and already plug it in. And so come by and see her right at the end. If you don't mind, just go ahead and be seated. And, and then in just a second, y'all come up and let her know you're glad she's here. Um, I will say this in closing. Um, I said it in the first service because I have a feeling my dad's at home watching the first service. And um, he's going to fuss at me when I go over there for lunch today. Um, because my dad believes, um, well, he believes that Jesus turned it into grape juice, okay? And I said, Dad, you took Greek, you know better, but, but who am I? You know, I'm 58, he's 86, I'm almost 87. But I just wanted to share this story with you in closing. I, um, I saw this episode on um, PBS, and it was just about Jack Daniels and his distillery. And I watched it, and I thought, I'd like to go see that. Not that I want to go drink Jack Daniels, but I said, I'd like to go see it. And so I, I got my two preacher buddies. Um, you could pick out who they are. We did a day trip, and we drove up and went all over um, Jack Daniels' distillery. We met a man in the lobby. He was over all the um, marketing for Jack Daniels. He found out we were Baptist preachers. <laughs> and he said, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. He said, my grandmother thinks I'm going to hell for working here. He said, but I'm the only Christian in this office. And I get so many opportunities to share Jesus. And so I asked him, I said, where would you go eat when it's over? He said, I'd go to Sister Mary Bobo's. And I said, his last name was May. I said, listen, the thing says it takes weeks to get reservations for that. He says, I may have a little pool. I didn't realize Jack Daniels owned the restaurant. Okay, so, so <laughs> we go all the way through it. We see everything, and they say, hey, they're waiting on you at Sister Mary Bobo's. You have a reservation. So we drive as fast as we can. There they have round tables, at least they did before COVID, where, where you eat family style. <laughs> they said, we're so glad you made it. We understand you're ministers. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, what denomination? And I said, well, today we're Episcopal. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so we all got a good life. I never told them I was a pastor at First Baptist Church. But anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. If, if, if you have some questions about this, I'd be happy to talk to you. I just don't want you to understand before we leave. I'm not giving you as a student who's underage any kind of permission to drink. It's a sin to you. You don't need to do it. And I'm not giving you permission to go out and drink. I'm just telling you, don't let anybody umpire you. So I know those are issues that come up, but legalism runs hard in our denomination. And we need to be careful. We're saved apart from works. But I want you to hear me. We're never saved without them. And what I mean is, you'll never work to get your salvation. But when you're saved, you begin to do the works, but it's different. Because now the Spirit's inside of you. 
and the Spirit helps you, and He empowers you. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm not telling you to go out and drink today, okay? So you don't, do not use that, and don't use my words to go do that. I'm just telling you, go walk in the grace of God. God bless you, guests. I'll be right over here. I'd love to meet you. Our off offerings are at the door. Please give to that. <laughs>